Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Mooresville. So I want to talk to you about living in tension. Don't we all love the word tension? Nobody, none of us embrace tension, right? In fact, we would do whatever we can to avoid any kind of tension in our life. When we think about tension, a lot of time we think about high blood pressure, right? You know, hypertension, those are medical terms. But, but really there's a tension uh, that's required of us if we're going to be in the kingdom. In fact, the kingdom, a lot of the foundations of the kingdom are built around this thing called tension, um, you know, if, if you're a, a person who comfort is your biggest thing in your life, then you will not, you're not, you're not going to do well in the kingdom uh, because, you know, God is, even though the Holy Spirit's a comforter, for sure, He doesn't always comfort us initially. He might comfort us, us enough to get through the moment. This is really wonderful, y'all. I'm up here talking about tension, and y'all are looking at me with these bad looks on your face. <laughs> um, huh? <laughs> but we've just begun, right? Yeah. Um, so there's actually the Bible's really clear about this. Um, I'll tell you in a minute how I, what got me to thinking about this. But let me read this verse to you. Three verses out of the Beatitudes. Everybody loves Beatitudes, right? Well, you have just fell, fallen in a trap. If you, you fell in a great trap because these are, these are verses that describe a life of tension. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Uh, blessed are those who mourn. Are y'all getting this? For they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Um, but they will be satisfied. So it tells us the Lord's always going to provide for us, right? That's what it tells us. The Lord's always going to provide for us. But he doesn't, there's this uncomfortable place that God wants all of us to go through. There's mourning. Andy mentioned that this morning. Hey, Andy Squires never cries. I've known Andy for a long time. I may have seen him cry two times. Once was when Marlon hit him, <laughs> and then this morning. So he literally does not, he's not a crying guy, you know. So I thought, man, God's really doing a miracle in here. He's got Andy up here all crying. <laughs> so, so the Lord um, brings us into this place of tension in our life. A very, it's uncomfortable, it's difficult, but that's, it's in that tension that God does something amazing in our life. This, this is what I'm learning. It's in that place of tension uh, that we, we come into to the other side of these Beatitudes. I was thinking about uh, the Apostle Paul. He, he, this is one of the best tension verses in the Bible, actually. It's 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. Uh, and, and the Paul, of course, if you read 2 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about this thorn in his flesh that for ever since he wrote that down, everybody's been trying to figure it out what it is. But if you read uh, chapter 11, he tells you clearly what it is. So I'll let you do that. Okay, but chapter 11, he describes his thorn in the flesh. But Paul is asking the Lord to deliver him from this thing that had brought all this discomfort and and issues into his life. 
And then the Lord said to, to Paul in verse 12, My grace is suf- sufficient for you. Listen, for power is perfected in weakness. See, weakness is uncomfortable. Weakness is difficult. Any kind of weakness creates a tension in our life. Any kind of question in our life, any kind of uncertainty in our life creates this inward tension. And so Paul said, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness, about my tensions, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Notice he didn't say that the power may dwell on me. There's a Christ, there's a power that's in us, and there's a power that comes on us. The power that's in us is the power that enables us to be everything God's called us to be. This is the greatest, greatest description of grace in the Bible is power inside of us that enables us to live our life. Oh, by the way, I listened to this great podcast yesterday. It's called Grace Baby. That's the name of the podcast. It's a new podcast. And they had this, and, and I know the person who's doing it. And she's an amazing interviewer. And the, and the guest she had on there, you should, you should go listen to it. You would, this person has a lot of insight on grace. I was really blessed by it. Therefore, I delight in weakness. This is what Paul said. I, do, I delight in weaknesses and in insults. This is insanity, right? I mean, how many people are delighting in insults? Uh, raise your hand if, when somebody insults you if, if you are delighting in it. You, oh, yeah, insult me. Here's the other cheek. Slap me harder. Okay? Have you seen those videos now? They have these slapping fights. I'm telling you, they have these fights where people, that's what they do. They stand and somebody will slap the fire out of this guy or girl and knock them down. They will get up. They don't do anything. Then they just slap the other person. And the person who wins, who slaps the hardest. Literally, people go and do that. I'm just saying, I'm amazed. But, but, but none, of us, none of us are sitting out, you know, rejoicing in things, wanting weakness, wanting difficulties in our life. But here Paul's saying, this is the secret. This is the secret to your Christian life, okay? Because he says, difficulties in, in behalf of Christ, not stuff you do the stupid, okay? Listen, if you do something stupid, you know the old saying, the guy had the black eye. And somebody said, how'd you get the black eye? Well, I was sitting in a bar, okay, but I was having this conversation with this guy beside me that got a little heated, and uh, he, I, he told me to shut up. I thought he said, stand up. <laughs> you get, y'all get that? Stand up, and he took the punch. Well, you know, there's consequences to bad actions. If you do something that deserves an insult, then you've got what you deserve. But Paul's talking about on behalf of Christ, on behalf of your Christian life, that you're walking with the Lord. And because you're walking with Him, there's these difficulties that come in your life, y'all. Christianity is not a, you know, like it's going to be all easy for you. And we really had to face that just because, just because life is not easy for anybody on this earth. And the last thing God wants to do is He doesn't want to create a, 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 a family that is immune to sorrow and trouble because that family would be worthless to the families out there in the world that don't, know, don't yet know Christ. Are you with me? And you'd be worthless to yourself, ultimately. Okay? He says, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And so what he was saying is when, I'm, when, I'm, when my life is in tension, that's when power of Christ can come forth in me. So... Um, I wanted to tell you how all this came about in my life. 
um, if you would like to know. Are you? This is really good. Uh, so I was talking, happened to be talking to Andy. Oh, yeah, we had this, uh, we did this pastor's retreat, not this weekend, but last weekend. Is Marlon and Mary and Andy and Amy, Ryan and Mary Mead, and Matthew and not Sarah, because Sarah had the flu in our house, so she couldn't come, but... It was good, man. I mean, we just had a, like a huddle of, you know, holy huddle. And, but one of, me and Andy were just having a casual conversation at one point. And I was telling Andy about this conflict I have in my life, uh, basically about what I want to do when I grow up. Does anybody have that conflict? I'm like, gosh, when I grow up, this, you know, but, but I feel this. I mean, so I have this, this thing in me where I feel torn. You know what I mean? I feel, I feel pulled in different directions. There's a part of me that wants to go in this direction, but then there's another part of me that says, no, 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 there's this other thing in me that's at work. And I was telling Andy, I feel all this conflict flicked inside of me, and I don't really know. And Andy gave me this beautiful thing. He said, oh, he started talking about a guitar string, okay, and how a guitar string, you know, has tension on it. And the tension, you know, is what creates the tune, and when he said that, I realized what I was going through, God was trying to create a new tune in my life. And without that tension, if you're just into comfort, you'll never have the tune of heaven in your life. If you run from every difficulty, if you hide from every difficulty that God wants you to walk through, trust in him and believe in him that he will get you to the other side and he will do what he said he would do. Yeah. Yeah, it really got a hold of me, and I started really thinking about this a lot. Um, and it really doesn't make necessarily our trials and troubles easier, right? It doesn't make them easier, but, there's a, but, but it gives us a goal. It gives us a dream that there's, there's a purpose in this. There's a purpose in, in letting go of trying to be comfortable and allowing the Holy Spirit to have His way and, and even, the, even go into that uncomfortable place with him so that, so that he can create this new tune in your life. And, you know, and I think about Paul, you know, what he was talking about there. Think about what Paul did, the amazement of his life. There was a beautiful tune that came out of his life that we called the epistles to Ephesians and Philippians and Galatians. All that was the tune that came out of his life, out of his weakness and troubles and that thorn in the flesh that he wanted so desperately for God to li- deliver him from that God would not deliver him from. God allowed it in his life. Now, I know that goes against a lot of people's theology, but talk to Paul. Talk to Jesus about the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are the foundation of how kingdom life works. And so what Christianity, what we had to do is get back to what the Scripture really teaches us about things like this versus what man's theology might make up about it. One of the issues that the church is having today is we've created a lot of things and built our life around a lot of things that maybe we shouldn't have. Our interpretations, the way we think God should be versus the way we're told He is. Are you all with me? Well, I wanted to tell you about this little story about this guy. Because there's always somebody in the Bible that has this attention. So, um, wow, I wish I could do better on this. Yeah. So, you know, I've been talking to y'all since February. No. All year. Man. 
This year is going by fast. Two months already, right? I've been talking to you two months about this one topic about our spiritual inheritance. Everything I've said to you all year, every time I've talked, is about our inheritance. You see, that's part of my conflict. That's part of my tension is I believe God has an inheritance for me. I'm talking spiritual. In fact, I know he does because that's what Ephesians 1.3 says, that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. And And I'm looking at my life and thinking, how much of that am I walking in? How much of that is a reality? Am I? Yes, I have been given that in Christ, but am I walking in it? Am I experiencing that? And, and the answer is, I'm not experiencing enough of it. I'm not walking in enough of what God has for me. And I don't believe you are neither. I don't believe people when they tell me they're walking in fullness. I don't believe them. They're like, well, if that's fullness, Christianity is not all that great, Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it, let, let's just go ahead and get saved and, and, let, and let God put a gun to our head and blow our brains out and go to heaven. You hear what I'm saying? And so we're in a time, listen, we're in a time where God is calling us to be salt and light in the world. He really is. He's calling that forth in us because that's what's in us. Light's in us. Salt, good salt is in us. He's calling it forth. That's part of being, uh, walking in all that you meant to walking in Christ. And so we're in that time where I feel in my spirit, in my heart, that I want to press into that. I want that. I want to become everything that God desired for me to be. Otherwise, what am I doing with my life? And I realize if if I'm going to do that, there is going to create a tension. It's already created a tension in me. It's created a big tension in me. But I realize if I will let God do what he wants to do, then something beautiful can come forth. Paul prayed this other thing after he said that in Ephesians 1, 3. He, he prayed at the end of chapter 1, okay, that for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, first to know Jesus Christ better, okay? Then he said, and then to know the hope of your calling. Then to know the riches of the glory. Everybody say riches of his glory. Of his inheritance. Say it. Of his inheritance in me. You see, there's an inheritance he has planted in you. And if we don't go after it, it could just sit there dormant. It's like having a million dollars in the bank but not pulling on that money. And then, of course, the third thing is the resurrection power, that we would know that resurrection power. All three of those are vital to your life. You know, the calling on your life, the inheritance he has for you, and the power, because you can't, you can't know the first two without the power. You've you got to have that resurrection power flowing in you. The power of Christ dwelling in me. Okay, that's, that's what Paul was talking about. So this is such an important thing. So here's the thing. That's why I slid over into to Joshua. Because Joshua is the, Old Testament, it's the Old Testament equivalent of Ephesians. And it, it, there's just all these amazing illustrations in Joshua. Are y'all following me? Yeah. There's all these amazing illustrations about a people who had a promise. They had a promise from the Lord. God promised them something. He told them something. And I read that scripture at the end of Joshua. I think it's Joshua 20 where the Lord said, I've given it. The Lord's done it all. He's fulfilled his promises. He did his part. And these people, for the most part, they did enter in to the promises of God in their life. 
they begin to see the fulfillment of God's promise over their life. And so that's what we had to be. We had to be people that enter into what God has and lay hold of that thing. That's, that's what Christianity is about. That's, that's the beauty of this thing. The beauty is not being theologically correct. In fact, that won't get you nowhere. Now listen, the longer I've gone, the more important theology becomes to me. Because I have been inundated with bad theology most of my Christian life. I've had to undo a lot of my beliefs. Because I believe stuff that everybody was telling me was right. And then you find out, well, that's not so right. It wasn't they were being bad and trying to mislead you. That's what they knew. And so, but as you go further with God, he begins to reveal more and more of what things really mean. And I'm, nowhere, and I'm just like infant stage on all that. So I do think theology is important. But to me, living a life that God designed for me to live is more important. Whether, whether I know or don't know, that's, that's not really the, the main point. What I know should help me. Are y'all with me? So this is fascinating about Caleb, okay? This is what I want to... Because Caleb, Caleb lived a life in tension. I mean, his life was full of tension. But it's, here's what it says about Caleb that was just, just amazing to me. And I've, you've probably heard a million talks about Caleb, okay? Caleb is known as the unsung hero in the Bible because he's not as well-known as a lot of the other spiritual heroes, he wasn't Joshua, the main guy. You know, Caleb and Joshua, when the Lord sent Israel back 40 years before they crossed the Jordan, they, they sent out these spies to go and look at the land. Okay, right. Y'all know this, right? Just in case somebody don't know it, just be patient. Okay? Because you'll be surprised. Some things people don't know. And you're thinking, oh, everybody knows that, so let's don't even talk about it. But they sent these spies out. And the spies, they saw the land. The Lord said, I'm giving you a land flowing with milk and honey. And they, they saw this land. They saw this beautiful land. But the spies came back. They were afraid. Because what did they see in this land? They saw giants. They saw the Canaanites who at that time were the most wicked and warlike people on the face of the earth. Highly trained in combat. Demon-possessed. Powerful people that, that literally they were cannibals in that land. That literally ate each other. Okay? That's how what they, were, they saw. All these spies saw that like we can't do it. There's giants. We're like grasshoppers. We're grasshoppers. These giants will destroy us. But Caleb and Joshua said, no. They're not giants. They're not, I mean, they're giants. There, but we'll, the Lord will give them into our hand because that's what the word of the Lord is. You see, they believed in the word of the Lord where their, their peers didn't believe it. Their peers didn't believe it. And so the narrative of the peers became the narrative of the whole nation. Just in case you didn't know, there's a narrative in our nation just like that. And so the Bible says Joshua believed the Lord. Caleb believed the Lord. And they tried to convince everybody. But at that point it was too late. And pretty much what happened was everybody of that generation died. They didn't get into the promised land. Except for Joshua and Caleb. They were the only two that got there. Even Moses. Even Moses died. And there was reasons for all this. 
So Caleb, here he was. Caleb spent 40 years with this promise in his heart. 40 years that he saw something nobody else saw except maybe Joshua. And he lived in that tension of believing something, believing that God said something and that he was going to trust God to do it. But his peers and the narrative around him kept him trapped in this world in the desert. And that's where a lot of us are. We're trapped because we believe stuff that's not true. We accept stuff about ourselves that's not true. And so there he was stuck in the middle of that for 40 years. Now you're talking about attention of knowing that God had something for you on a personal level in your family. And, but you couldn't have it because of the circumstances around you. You couldn't have it. Now, that's a man living in tension because he never quit believing. Another thing that's interesting about Caleb is, let me read this verse. It's in Joshua 14, verse 6. It says, Then the sons of Judah approached Joshua and Gilgal. The sons of Jephunneh, I think that's the way you spell it, or pronounce it. I don't know, man. That's hard. I looked at pronunciation, but I'm not good with all that. In fact, I have a hard time pronouncing English words. In fact, I tell people all the time, they ask me what my name is, I just mispronounce it on purpose. Because they're going to mispronounce it. So, okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's good enough. Even my, my uncles never called me by the right name. I had one, one uncle that would always call me William Thomas. That was my brother, older brother. Hey, William Thomas, I mean, oh, Byron, sorry. Like, no, I'm good. I'll be William, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, but... But listen to this, Jephunneh the Kenzanite said to him, this is Caleb, that was his daddy's name, okay? You know the word of the Lord which, which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, on account of you and me at Kadesh Barna. That was back where the spies went out and the Lord said, y'all going to get in, everybody else is not going to make it. And so he's, at this point in time, you know, telling his time, you know, they've been fighting for a while and... So he's feeling like it's time for me to get mine. It's time for me to get mine here. So he goes, that's what's happening. He goes to Joshua, who's the, the main guy, and says, Hey, Joshua, remember, pal, what the Lord, word of the Lord was for me and you? I'm here to, I'm calling in the chips today, pal. I mean, that's what he's, what he's saying. That's beautiful, isn't it? But here's the interesting thing about this. His daddy his daddy is an interesting th- person because he is a Kenzanite. You know what they were? You know what Kenzanites were? They were Canaanites. They weren't native Hebrews. They were, they meant, they, you can find them in Genesis 15. It mentions them next to the Hittites, you know, all the other heights. These were not good guys. These were ultimately bad guys. Okay, listen to me. They were not the best. But somehow, somehow, and I don't know, it could have been his dad married a Hebrew girl and got in. Right? That could have happened. It doesn't tell us. It just doesn't tell us. Or it could have been, and a lot of scholars, people who know stuff, think, hey, Somehow the Lord liked the Kenzanites for some reason. Maybe it was because they saw there was going to be a Caleb. 
and that God liked Caleb. Okay, so they were kind of they were kind of friendly with with uh, that tribe of that group of clan that clan of Canaanites, and apparently they were either adopted into the nation. Okay, or maybe it came through marriage. Nobody really knows. But I will say this, putting yourself in Joshua's or Caleb's shoes, how would you like for your, 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 part, of the, your part of the clan of Judah, but, oh, with an asterisk beside it? You're, part of, you're, part of the, you're welcome, but, oh, you're not quite what everybody else is in Judah. You came from that tribe from the other cross the railroad tracks. You're the poor kid in class. Do you know what I'm talking about? You're the unpopular. You're the ugly person. You're the person who, yeah, yeah, they're part. But, but you know, they're poor. They're ignorant. They don't, they're, yeah, they're, they're kind of in. They're in because God said they were in. You know, but if we had our choice, we would kick them son of a guns absolutely as far as we could kick them. Because we don't want to be seen with these people. Now, I mean, that's really what, that was something, that was a tension in his life. I don't know if you've ever felt like you were on the outside looking in. Or you feel like you didn't belong. I can promise you this, y'all. No, I don't want to offend nobody here. But if you're a black person, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're a black person in America, you know what I'm talking about. Right, Marlon? Yeah, Marlon will tell you. Come talk to him. Any of these black people will. Black people are amazing. I'm going to tell you that now. You know, I'm amazed at black people that's overcome this tension and come into something and not allow all of that to destroy them as people. Just saying that. So he... You get, this is kind of important, y'all. Okay? Because every one of us have things about ourselves that we have to overcome. You know, every one of us have some brokenness in them. You know, every one of us may come from a family that's not great or something. There's something in your life that you're going to have to overcome, that you're going to have to face, you're going to have to deal with. But you know that God's allowed it. Because God knew that tension in your life would make you become the person he called you to be. And see, that's the thing. We've got to figure this out. We've got to get to a place where we can, and I'm not saying embrace living difficulty, but I'm saying embrace God in the difficulty. Not push back on God. Not fight. Not be such a fighter against what's happening. But allow the work of the Spirit to have his way in your life. To draw you through this thing. And when you come out that tune will be beautiful in your life. You will have a tune that will draw people into the kingdom. And that's what the church has to see. That's why we love the persecuted church so much. Because they, they give us a tune we don't have. And it, and it speaks to our hearts when we hear these stories from persecuted believers. Are y'all with me? Well, I'm going to hurry up. I hope y'all getting something out of this. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about, this is interesting, about he, why, because Hebron, I'm going to fix and read some more verses here. Hebron was the place. And let, let me just go ahead and tell you one thing about Hebron right now. Hebron does not show up in the New Testament 
It was stunning to me when I thought that. That's stunning because of the beautiful history of Hebron. Now, there's about 12 Hebrons in the United States. Did you know that city is named Hebron? And I think there's one in Canada. Well, I just thought that was interesting. You know, I thought it was interesting it's not in the New Testament because it's a powerful place. Let me read this day. This is what Joshua was saying in verse 11. I'm still as strong today as I was on the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now. We're talking about an 85-year-old man. There's something burning in him. There's something. Don Gein is a guy like that. Don, I'm telling you, Don Gein has fire in him. He's 80. How old? He's 88 years old. He plays golf two or three times a week. He speaks life over people. He encourages people. He loves people. He hasn't gone home and laid down. We might have to haul him out of here one day because he died encouraging somebody. I mean, I always tell people, Don and Glenda, they set the the bar high for us. You know? And I knew Don way back in the day when Don would chew you up and spit you out. Because he did chew me up a few times and spit me out. I mean, I got bite marks from Don Gein when he was the young Don Gein. But he has become a beautiful man. And they have gone through some stuff. They have gone through tragedy in their family. They had lost a son. They had two sons. They lost one of them to cancer. You know, they've been through some things. But they allowed a tune to come forth in their life. They allowed God, that tension that all that created, they didn't quit. They made a decision in their heart, we're going to follow the Lord no matter what. Though he slay me, I think Job said, if he, if he, no matter what he does... And see, God wants to put that in us. It is in us. The Spirit of God's like that. Well, anyways, I'm just telling you about Don. Yeah, yeah. He d- deserves to be honored. You know, as, as any older person does in the Lord, we need to give them great honor. You know, just like, you know, we need to honor the black people and the brown people. You know, and somebody can honor some white people here and there, but you know. <laughs> you know. I'm still as strong today as I was on that day. Uh, for f- Listen, and I'll talk to you sometimes later about that next statement. For war and for going out and coming in. That's a big statement in the Bible, by the way, in the Old Testament, going out and coming in. I'd like to talk to you about it, but I'm going to jump over it. I'm going to skip it. No, I'm not talking about it. It's just fascinating, though, if you study that phrase. See, there's so much stuff in the Bible that gives you doorways into the Spirit, that gives you doorways into the heart and mind of God. Now then, give me this hill country which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that the Anakim were there. Anakim were giants. So he's saying, hey, I want to go where the giants are. That was, the, that was their hometown. Anakim were the giants. They were the ones who somehow made it through the flood. Right? Remember Goliath? Y'all remember him? Well, they kept going there for a while. And, they, and actually, this was Goliath's hometown. That's where he came from. It's very interesting. Well, I'm not going to talk about the giants today, Nephilims and all that good stuff. Yeah, one of these days, I could spend my, I told Becky, when I retire, if I ever get retired, that's what I want to do. I'm going to study all about these mysterious things in the Bible. I'm like, well, you're not going to spend your life in a book. That's what she tells me. I have spent 40-something years with your face in a book or an iPad. I'm not going to do it no more. Yeah, okay. All right, Becky's great, y'all. <laughs> she just has some different views than I do on stuff. 
Hey, wasn't that beautiful what Andy and Amy did last Sunday? Andy's message was awesome. I want to say that. And I love what they did at the end. We got so touched when uh, Seth came up and, came up and hugged on. That was just so touched. And then you know what happened to Becky and I? Sunday night, we got in the worst walk argument <laughs> that we've had in a long time. I mean, one of them, when she's in one room and I'm in the other. You know, like, uh-uh, we're not even getting near each other because we'll kill each other. You know, you know the Bible says don't let the sun go down your anger. Well, we cheated. <laughs> we went to bed mad. And then we spent the next morning. <laughs> my whole morning's ruined trying to fix this argument. Well, we did. It's hard living with Becky. <laughs> well, you know what Arthur Burke said? Living with others is just as hard for others. <laughs> living with others is just as hard for others. It's true. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't been a great husband. I'll be honest. I, everybody knows that. But I'm working on it. I'm getting a better tune. So now give me this hill country. The Anakin were there with great fortified cities. These literally, these buildings, these, uh, because they were giants, they were huge. huge. They have archaeological things with these huge doors and huge doorways that they have found. Because these people were huge. They were huge people. Okay, and I mentioned to you about the, the grapes they found there, big as basketballs, because they were genetically modified. <laughs> I'm telling you, they were, y'all. Y'all need to look into this. This is not, this is not you know, crummy theology. It's going to become more important in the future. Think about trans. Never, never mind. <laughs> so Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron. To, to Caleb and the son of the same old daddy, same old bad Canaanite daddy. You know, like God, like, hey, y'all getting this? This guy's getting an inheritance, even though his, he has a bad family background. He overcame his family. He overcame all that. He overcame 40-something years of looking for his inheritance. He overcame it, and God did it for him. And God wants to do it for us, y'all. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of... Again, I mean, it's like, oh, are you just going to drive it into the ground, (laughs) Lord? He's trying to tell us something. God wants us to catch this stuff. And to this day, because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. Listen to this. Now, the name of Hebron was Kerith Arba, for Arba was the greatest among the Anakin. That was one of the fathers of the giants. Arba, so he was mighty, uh, and it says the name of the the name of the Hebron. That name there means the strength of Baal, a ball, or whatever you call that, Baal, the strength of Baal. In other words, that was the center of Baal worship. That was the center of evil in the Promised Land. It was the very center where Baal was worshipped and children were sacrificed. And people were ate by other people, giants eating human beings. That was the center of all this evil that preparated all through the country. And, he, and that was his, his inheritance. And he wanted that inheritance. He longed for that inheritance. Why did he long for it? That's the question, right? You should ask me, why did he long for it? Why would you want to do that? There's giant. Let's go down here where the little people are. We can beat them. We know how to beat these little guys. But these big guys, mm-mm. We don't know how to beat them. In fact, we're 
best way we can beat them is a foot race. And we're going to need a head start then. Well, here's some things about Hebrew. I just want to tell you this. This really, I just love this. This so speaks to, to Caleb's heart. That he had something from the Lord about that place. Well, number one, okay, that place, Hebron, was the hometown, or the home before the giants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was their home. Some of the greatest things that the Lord did in Abraham's life happened in Hebron. One, okay? Abraham built four altars in his lifetime. The second altar he built was at Hebron. And altars in the Bible speak of revelation. It speaks of encounters with God. So right away that tells you the first thing about Hebron. Hebron was a place of encounter. Hebron was a place of revival. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It was a special place. It was a geographical special place where heaven was open at one time. Okay, the second thing that happened there was Abraham became, Abram, father, became the father of many nations there. That's where the Lord spoke to him and said, you're going to be Abraham. That which he became the father of, of faith there. Isn't that interesting? The next thing that happened there was these three, quote, angels show up one day in Hebron. And Abraham sees them and says, uh-oh, Miss Hare, we got to cook some food. These people have come. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is, is who they were. Remember that story? They came and they started talking to him. They talked to him about Sodom and Gomorrah. They talked to him about all this cool stuff. And then they said, oh, by the way... You're going to have a son, and his name's going to be Isaac. That happened at Hebron. Are y'all getting anything out of this? And then the last thing, which is the most important thing, I think, is there's a grave there. And Abraham's in the grave. Isaac's in the grave. Jacob's in the grave. Sarah's in the grave. Leah. And, yeah, and Rebecca. These are the who's who of the Hebrew world. And you know what? They're literally some rap, rabbis, scholars, believe Adam was buried there. And we were talking about in the class, River Life School of Ministry, you might want to take this class, you get some good, cool information, about how in that culture they viewed grave sites way different than we do. Grave sites. In fact, today, the second most holy site in Israel is in Hebron, this grave site. You see, for the Lord, those bones of those patriarchs meant something to God. And these giants had took over. And there was something in Caleb that says, this can't be. I'm not going to let them have it. I'm going to go and I'm going to get that place back for God. He wasn't just looking for himself. There was something burning in him. There was a fire in his heart that he saw. This is an injustice. This does not belong to giants. This place does not belong to, to the devil. And he went after it. He went after it, y'all. He went after it. And he got it. Even though he had to wait a long, long time. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful to you? Isn't that the heart of God? 
I mean, doesn't that make you just like, oh, this is the God I want to be connected to. I want to have that kind of heart. I want to be that kind of person that feels God's passion about something, something that's important to God. In other words, what we're talking about, Jesus said, in, I mean, Paul said in that Ephesians saying, his inheritance, the thing that burned in Jesus' heart that he's put in you and me. There's this thing in us that burns in us. If we'll let it burn, it'll burn for the things of God and the things that God desires. And that's a motivation. But there is this tension, like with, Je- with Caleb. He had to go through something to have that. In fact, he had to wait five years after they crossed the Jordan, or, yeah, the Jordan, and f- help his brothers before he could have the very thing that was near and dear to his heart. That's an uncomfortable life, y'all. That's a difficult life in a lot of ways. But it was a life worth living. That's why people call him an unsung hero. Well, I'm going to finish this because it's time, y'all. But let me just read this one last thing because i got to read this one. You can fuss at me later, Andy, for going over. Andy's keeping the clock on me. This is 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18. This is about seeing something that nobody else is seeing. This is Caleb's eyes. This is what God wants us to have. He wants to have eyes that we can see something that everybody around us is not seeing. And this is what it says. And this is, this is about tension. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Because a lot of times the tension of life, the disappointments, the struggles, the loss, the delay, the rejection, whatever it may be, the betrayal, everything that's working against that thing inside of you, will cause you to lose heart. It'll cause you to shut your heart down, to protect your heart. You will, you will literally do that. You will shut your emotions down. You will wall your heart off because you can't take this disappointment and the pain of what life has done to you. And so Paul's talking to people like that because he went through that. Okay? Are y'all with me on this? And he said, you know, but though our outer person is decaying, which it is, Right? Yet our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary, and Paul was crazy, momentary, light of fiction. He was crazy. He didn't, his light of fiction was nothing like what we, we, we think we have it bad. But it's producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. There's something at work. That's what the tension does. It produces a glory. It produces something people. When the glory of God shows up, they know it's the glory. They can step into that glory instead of being offended by it or standoffish about it or putting their little mind on it. They see the glory they're in because there's something that has worked in their hearts and worked in their hearts and worked in their hearts. So when God shows up, they're like, He's here, I'm in. Even if I don't really understand what he's doing. And that's what God's looking for. He's not looking for us just to have an encounter and experience. But the encounter experience is vital. Because there's something greater that God has in mind. And the very thing that people reject is the very thing that God is saying, this will give you your promise. This will get you there if you'll let it happen. Are are y'all thinking about this? Okay. While we, listen, this is insane, man. This is the most insane advice you could ever get from anybody. Hey, I'm going to tell you how not to lose heart. How do you not lose heart? See the invisible. See the invisible? Are you serious? 
Uh, it's like saying to a colorblind person, go pick out my red car at the car lot. It can't be done, right? I mean, it's just, it feels crazy, man. But it's like what he's saying. There's something that you can see that others don't see. See, Caleb didn't see a land that was consuming. He saw God's heart there. He saw there was something precious to the Lord. That's what he saw. And it drove him. It kept him going for 40-something years. Because he saw him. No, that land's not going to consume us. We're going to consume what's taken away from God. And a lot of us don't make it through that, y'all. In fact, I don't know anybody who's made it all with prayer. Most of us fail in, our, in that. I, I'm in. I mean, I'm like, yes. I've had so much disappointment and failure, and I just fell in the middle of it so many times. And then when God gets you through it, you feel so bad about failing. You feel bad about the stuff you went through, and you feel bad because you didn't handle it right. You know what I'm saying? But God's full of mercy. He's full of love. You know, and he knows that we're, we, we're weak in our frame and we're going to not do this perfect. He's not asking for perfection. He's just asking for people, would you just be willing to take and have a heart like this? You know, I forgot to tell you what Caleb means. It means dog. That's the literal meaning of the word Caleb. I always hated that because I always loved Caleb. Dog. In that culture, dog would have been a bad it would have been a bad, it wouldn't have been a good thing. Because a lot of Christian preachers try to make it into a good thing. Well, that means forceful. It means he's a pit bull. He's going to hold on. I mean, I kind of get that. But the truth is, he was a dog. And that's what he was looked down on as a dog. Because of, of who he was. But he overcame it. Everyone in the, everybody in this room has something to overcome in your heart. Inside of you, there's things to overcome. There's brokenness to overcome. There's dis, disappointment to overcome. You know, but we can overcome it because we got the Holy Spirit. Well, let me finish reading this and we'll stop, okay? Yes. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And that was Paul's, that was Paul's thing. He was saying, there's a tension, guys, in this momentary life. There's a tension in your life and you got to, you got to, but if you can see, if you can get those eyes of Caleb, where he says, yeah, I, I see the land floor of milk and honey. I see we can take those giants. I see it. We can get them out of there. We can do this. I see it. And so we had to see it. We had to ask the Lord to give us those eyes. And I, I personally think he has. I think we all have the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our heart. We just need enlightenment. We just need the Lord to do in us something. He, just do something in us beautiful, Lord. You know, do something that we won't be people that will reject the very beautiful thing that you've wanted to give us. And we won't push away all the hurt and pain, but we'll just say, okay, I ain't buying into hurt and pain, but I am buying into the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I'm in buying into the healing power of Jesus. And I'm not going to reject the Lord through my disappointment. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to by the grace of God. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.